We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Brand Biggs. Biggs time. Biggs. With money and haw. Biggs time. The Biggs Report. With Brand Biggs. Biggs time. Biggs. His name is Brand Biggs. Brand Biggs talks football with you. <laughs> Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Brad Biggs, the football man of the Chicago Tribune, a longtime contributor to the station and a close personal friend to both of us. And he joins us now on the Score Hotline presented by Signature Bank. Signature Bank Score Hotline. Signature Bank, making commercial banking personal. Big Zay! Morning, Brad. Morning, boys. What's going on? Well, you are on the story as always, and uh, and you were there in the room, and you uh, you heard the uh, the reason that Justin Fields won't be playing, and then you heard the question of would it, if it was a playoff game, and you found no, no, he couldn't play no matter what, and that that was where I just kind of you lost me there, but um, but the reality is the reality, and the reality is the Bears have a very high draft pick, and I suppose not playing the quarterback protects it, whether they want to admit that or not. Yeah, well, they've been doing a mighty fine job of protecting that draft pick, or I should say improving it for a couple months now uh, with the uh, losing streak. So, uh, they, um, yeah, they're not going to have the quarterback hit again. They're uh, going to do their, uh, it appears, uh, best, at least, you know, with the players they make available to the coaches to – Ensure that they lock up the number two overall pick with a with a chance at that one pick. You know the, the big tilt down um, at Lucas Oil uh, Stadium <laughs> in Indianapolis with the Texans and the Colts, and um, you, know, you got Lovey Smith, who the coach of the Texans. If he loses that game, his team has the number one pick. If the Colts lose the game, their draft pick position is you know entrenched so you got a lot of teams with really bad records uh that uh are jockeying a little bit it would appear for uh position in the top five or six or so lovey has said they will play to win uh the texans got their doors blown off by jacksonville this past week after a couple after a victory over the Titans and then uh, close losses to the Chiefs and Cowboys, we'll see how Houston looks on Sunday. There could be uh, some uh, real live scoreboard watching going on at Soldier Field. Okay, Brad, so the Braves have brought us to this point. Justin Fields' season is over. We saw what he accomplished in, in making himself uh, into uh, a guy who was on the verge of making history uh, if he would play on Sunday, he was close to that record. We know what he can do as an explosive runner. We know what he can do as a game-breaking player. What has he accomplished as an NFL passer this season, and how complete is that picture? 
Well, he hasn't accomplished nearly enough as an NFL passer, and that picture um, is far from complete. But it's it's uh, it's not a pretty picture right now. You know, you see the uh, the kid draws something right, and they show it to you, and you take a look at it, and you're like, "What's that?" And they tell you what it is, and you're like, "Oh, of course." Um, I mean, that's how this picture looks right now. It, it, the Bears are uh, at the very bottom of uh, passing in the NFL. I mean, they're just miles behind everyone else. It's it's not like with a um, a big week that they would have gone from 32nd to 28th and then another couple good games, and before you know it, they're 24th in the league. No, they're um, – they're they're just lagging far far behind it is it is it is rudimentary it is basic um it is uh it's not very explosive unless he's pulling it down and running the football they've got a bad offensive line that's been established they need to improve there they've got a very poor group of skill position players that's also been established, and and that's kind of been par for the course in these parts. If you go back over the last, you know, two decades or so, the Bears are used to playing with receivers that aren't great, um, and the quarterback hasn't played well enough, not nearly well enough, and and that's uh, a conversation that some folks refuse to uh, take part in or listen to. I'm sure you get calls. Uh, along those lines, but he has not arrived as a passing quarterback in the National Football League. What they did this season is not sustainable offensively. He is injured. He's going to miss the game. It's going to be the sixth game he's missed because of injury at the end of his second season, Uh, so he's taken too many hits. They've got to get leaps and bounds better uh, throwing the football next season with better quarterback play, better protection, and better play by the receivers. But you you cannot assume that with improved line play and improved receivers, they're going to make this dramatic jump. He's uh, He can be very much part of the solution. To this point, he's also been part of the problem throwing the football. Um. Is there any level of expectation at all for the quarterback, for, for uh, uh, Peterman? Peterman? Yeah. Do you think that – I mean, it, we had a text earlier that said, wouldn't it be hilarious if Peterman had like a 300-yard passing game? I, I don't I, – I mean, hilarious in what sense? Um, well, it's a big ask. And there were, it was a walkthrough yesterday, and I don't know where this guy's at, and I don't know what to expect, and I don't even know if anyone cares. Yeah, no, I, Peterman, uh, after kind of bombing out in Buffalo, his, his last, the last time you saw him on the field was that 2018 game in Buffalo against the Bears when he threw three picks. Uh, the Bears absolutely dominated. It was a 41-9 victory, you know, one of the uh, better performances of the season for Vic Fangio's defense that year, although, again, a degree of difficulty going against Peterman, and the Bills wasn't super high, but th- that's the last time he started in an NFL game. Since then, he's done a decent job, I think, of sort of landing on his feet and establishing that he can be this journeyman backup type, which is a great way to make a living. 
and it's a guy that you need on your roster. What do we expect from him when he can't uh, avoid pressure uh, like Justin can when uh, they're, they've shown you that they're, they're deficient at the wide receiver position? I don't know. I, I do know this, that Minnesota passing defense is uh, awful, guys. Like this, this You, you would have looked at this and said, hey, here's a chance maybe for Justin to end on a high note. The Vikings, 31st in the league in pass defense, 30th in yards per pass attempt. Uh, so they're right there with where the Lions are defensively. Now the Lions you know, took it to the Bears. Maybe uh, this is a little bit different with the game being played uh, outdoors at Soldier Field. Uh, that gives them a little bit of an advantage, but I, I just don't really have any idea uh, what to expect from Peterman in the, in the passing game. All right, Brad. So we both have been around Hallis Hall long enough to see things that change from when people are talking at the podium from one day to the next, and you wonder, what happened? Is that the same guy talking, and, and what changed? Matt Eberflus on Sunday sounded like he was committed to playing Justin Fields. On Monday, he opened the door a crack and worried about his health. And two days later, there was a hip strain and an MRI, and Dr. Poles was reading the MRI and said, you know what, he's not going to play. Is that overly cynical? What do you suspect happened? Do you think this is a legitimate health situation? Yeah, yeah. That, that's the interesting thing is after the game, there was no um, you know, concern for his availability. Every, everything seemed fine after the game for Justin Fields. And, and then it shifted a little bit Monday morning and you're like, Hey, get a load of this. They're setting up, you know, some type of uh, injury explanation for the quarterback, not playing on Sunday against the Vikings I, in the big picture, you know, it, we're probably not going to find out. And I don't think it really matters. You know, what does matter is what steps they take this off season. What does matter is a sober evaluation of, you know, every aspect of the football outfit, you know, the passing game, the pass blocking, the wide receivers, the run defense, um, the the pass rush. They they need a real um, honest evaluation, which is is, uh, harder to achieve and get done then it sounds, as, as Jerry Angelo said, it's a heck of a lot easier for, you know, me to tell you about the garbage and trash in your backyard than me to identify the crap that's in my own backyard. So um, they've got to uh, they've got to be real honest and sort of looking at this thing because they've they've torn it down, right? They've gotten rid of a lot of stuff. Um, how useful and productive can what they have right now be moving forward. Brad, what are you looking for in this game? I mean, is there, I, I, I was saying, I guess Cole Komet can get to 500 yards. The only uh, guy on the team that would have 500 receiving it. I don't know if that means anything. I, I don't know if there are any individual. I'm very curious. And David laughs at me about what the offensive line is going to look like. Cause there's a couple of, uh, of guards that are out. You made fun of me yesterday over. Don't laugh. Um, 
I want to know if Alex Leatherwood is going to be a a healthy uh, replaced player. If if you're in this situation, I want to know who plays and who doesn't and how they look at that, who's coming back. And it's a, it's a group that is a team within a team. And I'm just curious about it. Yeah. I mean, I, boy, I think they, I think they told us about Alex Leatherwood's future for them last week, but I, yeah, they, they have, uh, they've got two more guys that went down with uh, Tevin Jenkins now out. Um, That's been a recurring theme. And then Michael Schofield suffered the knee injury when, um, when Braxton Jones got driven all the way into the other side of the backfield, right? Like that was, he had three sacks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, um, yeah, like the Lions were taking out multiple players um, going through, uh, route 70 there at left tackle. So that was a problem. So yeah, somebody's got to be up. Maybe Leatherwood's up. I, you know, I just, um, I, I don't know that they've got a lot to look at there. Yeah. They need Cole Komet to get 13 yards. They don't have anybody with 500 yards receiving. They will not have a wide receiver with uh, 500 yards receiving unless Equinemius St. Brown goes for a buck 80 um, on Sunday against the Vikings. That's probably uh, unlikely, you know. I would you like to see another little spark from Bayless Jones Jr.? You're, you're talking about things that you would potentially look for Sunday. That would be uh, that would be great. Um, it would be um, it would be nice for someone to pass Jaquan Brisker for the team lead in sacks, just because I think it's a bad look when you've got a safety leading your team uh, in sacks. He's, Brisker's got four. Um, Justin Jones is at three along with Travis Gibson. So if those guys could go out and have a two set game, maybe you'd look at that and say, Hey, this was nice to see in the finale, but I, you know, the, the, uh, the obituary uh, for this season has been written guys. This, this thing's just about over. Brad, I want to go back to field for a moment because that was a terrific answer you gave as far as where he is as a passer. And after saying something similar, I think it was in pick six or earlier than that, you know, the texters come at us, and, and I'm sure you deal with a lot of people on social media. And the biggest the biggest rebuttal, or the, the counterpoint to what you described and, and what we have talked about him about where he is as a passer and what he has yet to accomplish or proven is that people say, well, what about the offensive line? And you got to mention the receivers, and you got to mention that role in his development and how limiting those things are. How do you answer those questions, and where do you, you know, divide the responsibility toward where Justin Fields has, you know, what he's done as a passer and what he's had to work with? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how you kind of neatly um, assign blame for a horrendous passing game. You know, I don't know how you say it's. Um, one-third pass blocking, one-third route running, not getting open, one-third quarterback, or it's you know 40% for two of them and 20% for the other. I, I don't know how you do that. I don't think the Bears would spend their time trying to figure that out. What's clear is all three haven't been good enough. Until all three are better, they can't put together a – high caliber passing game. You look at the teams vying for a number one seed in the playoffs right now, they can all sling it. Okay. You look at the teams 
in the mix for a top five draft pick right now. They can't throw the football. There is a real uh, commonality here uh, between what's good and works and what's not good and what uh, doesn't work. So you say, well, you can't even evaluate fields. Well, there have been quarterbacks that have been sacked a ton and still put up big-time numbers, quarterbacks that have played behind poor offensive lines that have delivered numbers that that are leaps and light years ahead of what Fields has put up. And so the counter would be, well, they had great wide receivers. Okay, they had better wide receivers than what the Bears uh, have. I, I grant that. In the last three seasons, guys, there's been one quarterback each year that has been sacked uh, more than 45 times, that has thrown for more than 4,500 yards, and that has thrown for, I believe it's more than 30, 33 or more touchdowns. Okay, so the yardage is more than double where Fields is at. Fields has got a few more sacks, and the touchdown passes are, uh, you know, way higher. Um, so if they want to get to an elite level, all three of those areas have got to be significantly better. Um, when we look at the offseason, you know, probably starts with team president, figuring that out as you move forward. Would that, would depending on who you hire and how ambitious you are with a hire, would that impact how quickly the rebuild would have to occur? In other words, how how will a new president change the ambition of the general manager and the coach. I, I don't know that it will. It, it won't unless uh, the new president is given power over the GM and the coach, right? Currently, the way they've got the uh, the flow chart set up there at Hallis Hall, Ryan Poles is reporting directly to George McCaskey, okay? And so he's not going through Ted Phillips. They sort of redrew that thing in the past. The general manager reported to Ted, and then Ted went to George and said, okay, here's here's what we've got. The GM's now going straight to George. So unless they flip it back to where the team president is over the general manager, I don't think that it necessarily changes uh, the timeline. I don't know that they want to have the – GM going directly to the president if they're hiring this president with the top goal of being uh, trying to get a stadium uh, in Arlington Heights done in the next however many years. That's such a huge project that they might not want that team president's um, time uh, divided having to oversee football and then try to take on a project of that magnitude. It's a great point. It's an ongoing conversation, Brad. Great stuff. I I just think that you can do both. If you get the right guy, you've got to be able to multitask, and you've got to have somebody who's a strong enough leader to to be able to do both. I I mean, I think if you go outside and you bring in someone, you're not bringing in someone just to build a building. No. And I think that the presence of, 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 you know, Kevin Warren, for instance, would change the timetable on the general manager. I don't think you get seven years if, if uh, and that's I'm just basing it on pace, 
if uh, if indeed you have a more ambitious type of uh, leader. And I don't even know that he is that, but I would imagine he is. Well, it, yeah, and, that, and that's possible. It, it's going to be up. It's going to be what George wants. It's not what mm. Kevin or whoever they hire wants. It's it's what structure does George want? I don't take the job what if I'm Kevin George Warren if I don't have that full control. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And that, and oh, I we'll think, call, but you're call right. Kevin. Yeah, we're going to do oh, you that. You got to sell, right, Brad? You're going to text yeah. me after the show. Please. He's dying to talk about. Yeah, it. he's dying. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, well, no, it's just that's that. Those are all interesting points. I don't think the level of horrendous football this season adjust the timeline at all they knew this was going to be a rough season no they were not anticipating 12 13 or 14 losses anybody that tells you that is uh is full of baloney but they knew it was going to be bumpy they knew they were going to tear this thing uh down and rebuild uh from the start so this this doesn't add a level of pressure to polls or Ibraflus. Uh, it maybe puts them a little lower uh, on the football rung than they expected, but I don't think this changes anything, uh, whether they hire a new guy and he has football control uh, or not. All righty. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, Brad. Have a great day, guys. It's Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. So Justin Fields came in on Monday morning with a sore hip. And he, you know, which many times happens to players, you know, they come in with a soreness that they didn't anticipate to be like that. And so we, we sent him to get an MRI on his hip and he that showed that he had a strain in his hip um, so he's not going to be at full speed this week and the medical staff has ruled him out for this week 
This is not a long-term injury, so just so we know that. Nathan Peterman will be the starting quarterback. Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to the score. That is uh, Matt uh, Eberflus yesterday. That's how uh, things began with that news. And, um, yeah. Sent Justin Fields to get an MRI. More Ryan input. That's what the MRI is. Mm-hmm. And once I think Ryan Poles entered the equation with his point of view and the general manager weighed in, I think, boy, uh, are you limping, Justin? Oh, how's your hip feeling? Uh, okay, so we just had a very interesting conversation. Yeah, let's get back with, to that. With Brad Biggs. That was interesting. And I, I got to tell you, like, if he is – he is – what he said is correct. They did change – when they hired Ryan Poles, they changed it. So he he is is in charge of football, and he goes directly to George. So now you're going to hire a team president – and Big Z says, well, this is someone that, you know, the priority is is figuring out uh, the new building and you're hiring someone to build uh, that building in uh, Arlington Heights. Right. And you got to get someone who knows how to do that. And, and you're responsible. Well, you'd like to think someone could do a couple different things. Doesn't mean that they're not going to concentrate on that building and that isn't where things are uh, kind of uh, hinging. But it also means that, um, yeah. You, you need somebody to oversee the entire operation. Ooh. The idea that George is going to do what then? Step back from the building and concentrate on meeting with Ryan Paul. I, I, I got to tell you, you need someone, you need some, you need a system of checks and balances in this league. And when you hire a 37, 38 year old general manager, you would like to have someone, a voice that has been there, done that, and can kind experience? of experience. Absolutely, him in a experience. Way. Okay, so you take a step back, and first of all, you we have to acknowledge that being the team president of the Chicago Bears, a six billion dollar corporation, essentially, they're worth five point eight billion dollars according to Forbes. It's an enormous job. You're only going to be seeking people capable of being the team president that are capable of all the responsibilities responsibilities that come with that and that's plural it's more than just a building manager you need just more than just somebody who's going to lead a construction project you need someone who believes in their ability to multitask i don't think that you can just hire whoever you think is the most politically inclined um savvy leader to navigate you your way through this building project and go from Soldier Field to Arlington Heights. You need somebody that believes they can do everything, which includes, I would, I would contend, if you get somebody like a Kevin Warren, in a, for example, who has interviewed for the job, I, it's inconceivable to me that Kevin Warren would say, I'll take the job, but this idea of the general manager reporting to the chairman, George McCaskey, that's okay because I don't want to have anything to do with the football operation. Why would you take a job under those circumstances? Yeah, that that would be. I will take a job that is only half empowered with. That's the limited job I look in my power and reach. Well, let's face it, Molly. Go back to last year. One yeah. of the big reasons why George streamlined this operation for the general manager to report to him was, don't you think, in large part because of Ted Phillips being as polarizing of a figure as he is and became. Well, t- and Ted, he knew Ted was leaving. So. So, Eliminate I mean, him. It, he was helping him phase him out. I, I mean, so now though, now it's a different scenario. It's a, well, it's a. I mean, it. 
David, it changes the type of person you can hire Mm -hmm. if the job is only about the stadium or the priority is the stadium and don't worry about anything else. That that's, that's not Kevin Warren. That that is somebody else. It's limiting your ambition. It would be so bears to go that route. It would route. be very bears, wouldn't it? It would be so bears yes. to think small right. when you have an opportunity to go big. Right. And this is an opportunity to do just that. Kevin Warren, as we have discussed, brings would bring to the to the job at House Hall all of this leadership experience and the savvy of having done it and worked in an NFL organization for more than two decades. What he's done lately is, you know, as a Big Ten commissioner, is also impressive. I just can't imagine somebody as accomplished as that not wanting full control. And I also can't imagine them wanting somebody who isn't as accomplished as that. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's very much a, a strange contradiction, you know, this weird – dichotomy of having an opportunity to hire kind of a an overlord for the whole joint someone to do the job that you would hope George could have done better frankly. well let me ask you this too what what role or how much does what Ryan Poles accomplished or the way that he did his job in the first year does that inform or influence your decision in what you're looking for or how much autonomy do you think he has earned if any yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm very curious to see what his offseason looks like, how he attacks all the markets. You trust him? No. Do how you? much? How well, I, I don't, but it's easy for us to sit here and say yeah. in, a, in a radio studio that, okay, we have questions about Ryan Poles' decision-making, but when you are. Well, I, I mean, it, there's no track record. That's not an insult to him. That there is no, how, what, do we, uh, what do we appreciate that he's done? He's torn things down very well. Is he a teardown specialist? Is he a build-up specialist? He has cleaned up the payroll. Yes. He has managed the salary cap in a way that, um, you know, he had to in his mind. He's also probably had a lot of help there. We don't talk about the the role Cliff Stein has played in this first year under Ryan Pauls because we're not sure, but he is certainly somebody who they kept there to deal with a lot of this. I, I don't I, – I guess – I'm agreeing with you in that I don't know how much trust Ryan Poles has earned in one year to be autonomous when you hire a new team president who comes in. Is Ryan Poles going to tell him how things work at House Hall, or is it going to be the other way around? Well, I mean, just by virtue of the title, he would be ahead of the general manager. That doesn't take – but if you're telling me that, that he's, the vi- he's not really the president, he's vice president of new building – that's effectively a different job than the one you're talking about with team president. Yeah. 312-644-6767. Let's try Mike. He's in Glencoe. Hey, Mike. Good morning, fellas. And, you know, it's just interesting to hear this conversation and the conversation that David had with Dan Weeder the other day. What is this, January 5th, 2023? Yeah. We could have been having the same conversation 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. 40 years ago and 50 years ago with this franchise. They are never, ever, ever going to hire a competent, qualified business person over the entire organization who will make George or the McCaskies uncomfortable. They had a guy like that 40 years ago, and his name was Jim Finks. And he did, he made that the hell is so uncomfortable that they showed him the door after he turned the year around. It's never going to change. 
This is the way they run their business. They make enough money, and they don't want anybody to make them uncomfortable. And I think, David, as the conversation you had with Dan Weeder is so right. They're just not going to go out of their comfort zone because there's no motivation to do it. That's the way they're wired, and it's never going to change. Well, then they're never going to – I mean, you know, listen, the reality is when the Bears have had a good season, there's been a feeling of happenstance to it. It's been like happy mistake, good fortune, whatever way you want to put it, whether it's 2018 or any other year you can think of. It doesn't feel like they have ever really built up to this great – I'm talking about the modern, you know, the last – let's say in Georgia's tenure. It doesn't feel like – they haven't won at all, but when they do win, it's just sort of, okay, we happen to win this time, and it's not sustainable. And and that is the reality. You would change that if you hired the right person to run the operation. Without but, question. But you're right. I mean, it's like it's like talking about would they go after Sean Payton? Well, of course not. Why? Well, that's not the Bears. Why do we accept that as just a fait accompli that, well, of course, they've never done it before, so they can't do it again, and – Listen, they hired a guy who who came from Kansas City. He worked for three different guys at Kansas City, but he didn't ever leave there, and he got the job, and now it's his turn. It's just bizarre. Well, Mike makes a really good point about history being the best predictor of the future. And with the Bears, when you look at the team president opening, now there is an opening with the head coach and what what we're talking about hypothetically is Sean Payton. There's no head coaching opening. But let's look at what they do have. They're going to hire a team president. And Kevin Warren, and there might be other people they're looking at that we're not aware of, but somebody with his credentials represents somebody they've never hired for a big job. Right. They traditionally hire people who have never done the job before. There's a long list of examples. And why do you think they do it? Because they don't like being challenged. I think that their personality – their their organization systemically is just one that doesn't hire strong personalities to challenge each other because it's more comfortable that way. It is a family-owned business, and to some degree, there's just a very complacent approach to running that operation. Yeah. I don't think they would ever voice that or acknowledge that or agree with that, but I think the history proves that. 312-644-6767. It's Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Oh, goodness gracious. Good to hear David. from Nathan Peterman yeah. there. Yeah. He gets his chance to. Is it good to hear from Nathan Peterman? Well, I mean, I, Trevor Simeon is the backup, and he was injured in the pregame. Um, I, I'm just saying. Nathan Peterman. Should Sounded never... like a professional quarterback yeah. yesterday, but you're right. Uh, under ideal circumstances, he wouldn't be starting for the Bears. He wouldn't be dressing for the Bears. Yeah. But I... these aren't ideal circumstances. This is week 18 of a lost season that has been historically bad, and they found a reason to sit Justin Fields. So now Nathan Peterman is the last quarterback standing. Yes. So he will be well, not squatting yet. behind center. I think Tim Boyle is, right, the yeah, last well, one standing. Okay. So they could details. Do you think he'll end up playing, Boyle? Anything is possible in this season. That of when I futility. hear when I hear anything is possible, I think of um, of um, the uh, the two thousand five White Sox. No, I think I think of uh, a certain screaming Boston Celtic who yelled that after winning the title, and he think who 
I, I was going to say a Chicago guy, but he is from here. He just came here and played a year of high school at uh, at Farragut. But, oh, you um, think of Kevin Garnett? He screamed that. Okay. Anything is possible <laughs> when they won the title, and I think that's you know it's a great life lesson. But I don't know that it applies to. Uh, anything. Yeah, I'm disappointed to the in, in the decision to sit Justin Fields. I'm not going to lie about it. I, I was looking forward to seeing him finish on a high note. So, no, I'm not encouraged by hearing Nathan Peterman. I hope he plays well and acquits, acquits himself professionally, unlike the last time he was out. But I don't, I don't look forward to Sunday watching that game. There's no really re- any reason to watch the game. Justin Fields at least made it interesting. And uh, I am disappointed he's not going. And the look on your face says you are too. I, it's not that I'm – how to say it. I, I'm disappointed that there's really nothing – there's no purpose or reason for this game. I guess that's the way. It, it Ultimately, it comes down to the fact that I don't think anything that happens in this – they're not going to win it. And we knew they weren't probably weren't going to win it anyway – but any chance they had to win it has been erased by the, uh, and I'm using air quotes, injury to Justin Fields. I, I think that they're doing the right thing, protecting their um, draft pick, which could be, I mean, it's conceivable that Houston, who seems to be trying, could beat Indy. See, Anybody could beat Indy. Indy's and they bad. Could, yes. They're, and, they're and doing their own. The Bears could wind up with the first pick. Tank. I mean, as long as Jeff Saturday's on the sideline, I think they are doing whatever they can to lose that game. Uh, that's not that's not very nice. That was mean. Man. Are they doing this to protect their draft pick or protect their quarterback? I think draft pick over quarterback right now. I do. You asked me the question. My yeah. instinct is not there. It's interesting. Th- because if they wanted to protect the quarterback, they would have taken him out in the fourth quarter last week that, when there was nothing to play for. So you think that the draft positioning is more important than Justin Fields' health if they're prioritizing things this weekend. Well, I think it's a convenient, um, it is convenient. coincidence that both things would, can be aided by not playing. So you're okay if I referred to it and you didn't cringe too badly when I called it the quits principle rather than the hits principle. Yeah, I, I, again, I think that when I hear a QU, I think, oh, Equinemius St. Brown. He got a, a contract extension uh, yesterday. And, you know, it's a modest one-year, $1.25 million extension. But – did he earn an extension? It, it, or is this a case of, you know, they know they need certain players back. So they know that uh, that they got uh, Mooney, who was injured, hopefully coming back, hopefully healthy. Uh, Chase Claypool will be back because he's got a year left on his contract and you got to figure out if you're going to pay him. Well, Valus Jones will be back yeah. because while he hasn't done a lot, he has um, the, the draft status. You're not going to give up on a third-round pick. And and now Equinemius St. Brown. You would hope that the other two guys come from outside the organization. Oh, my gosh, Molly. But I, mean, but you, I don't know that. My reaction to this is that, okay, it's only one year. It's only, air quotes, $1.25 million. But when you do things like this at the end of a season, yeah. it is to clean up your books, but it's also largely as a reward. There's symbolism <laughs> attached to things when you make these kind of moves. Typically, let me finish, because I think when you look at these end-of-the-year transactions, it's like we're going to reward a guy. He's got, he, he had a good year. Equinemius St. Brown has had more bad moments than good ones, would you say? <laughs> <laughs> what? 
I I am <laughs> parsing my words carefully. No, I'm sorry. I think I think uh, David, think I, I about this. Jump down no, your no, throat. no. It's just that, like I I think that this bothers me only from the standpoint of that you have a historically low production from your wide receiving core. Well, and one of the first things you're going to do before the season ends is extend one of those members of that receiving uh, core. Why why him? What does he do well? He can apparently block. He's a blocker. So you've, you're going to extend a receiver because he can block? I'm sorry, but that is hardly a reason to extend a contract, even a year, to a guy it's a reward. who is a receiver. <laughs> His job is to catch, not to block. It's, it's a reward for what? Because he was good I- in the run game? And here's the thing. It's, it's $1.25 million. I'm not going to get worked up about it. Because if they draft someone, if they sign someone off the street, whatever whatever they do, you could you could eat one point two. How many? How much money did they eat this year? A, a, a one point two five million dollar sandwich is is like hardly even an appetizer, given the way they burned through money this season. Welcome to the 2022 Bears offense, where the quarterback is a better runner than a passer, and the receivers are better blockers than catchers. Oh, uh, boy. Yeah, it's rough. Let's try uh, 312. Squeeze in Chuck. Chuck's in Glencoe. Hey, Chuck. Wow. Yes, thanks so much, fellas. And I just wanted to uh, endorse and agree with the previous caller who talked about Trinks' uh, role with the beers and how the McCaskies, uh, like a lot of families that inherit a business, were ill-equipped to run the team and done such a poor job. When you look at uh, McCaskey's record since he took over as chairman, it's the equivalent of a baseball team losing 100 games a year. It's about a 400 win percentage. It's the equivalent of an NBA team losing over 50 games a year. Something has to change. I don't think anything is going to change until ownership changes. Uh, I listen to you guys and respect your opinions, but I think that by and large, you are much too soft on Bears management and ownership. Uh, it makes one wonder if we were to go back to 1959 and if the Bears had left Chicago and the Cardinals had stayed, would Chicago's football fortunes be any different? I also want to refer you to a great book that was written about 15 years ago by Jeff Davis. It's a 500-page biography on George Hallis, mm. which goes into great, great detail about the Bears' problems at quarterback, which do not go back to Sid Luckman, by the way. Johnny Lujak was all pro in 51. Ed Brown led them to a championship and led the league in passing in 56. Bill Wade and Rudy Bukic both led the NFL in passing in the 1960s. So this idea of going back to this romanticized Sid Luckman nonsense doesn't make any sense. What's happened is that Hallis sabotaged quarterbacks year after year. Lujak quit football because of his arguments with Hallis. Hallis, all through the 50s, played George Blanda. Zeke Bratkowski and Ed Brown, and wouldn't settle on a starter. Sometimes he would replace quarterbacks by quarter in a game, which used to drive players absolutely crazy. Ed Brown led the league in passing in 1956, and Hallis benched him in favor of George Blanda the next year. Hmm. Okay. Thanks, That's Chuck. Great stuff. Thanks, Chuck. Good history lesson. Yeah. Very interesting. The point about George McCaskey being in charge of a lot of losing or presiding as chairman over a team that hasn't gotten very far, it goes it goes without saying that's been true. George took over in May of 2011. 
the Bears' last playoff victory, January of 2011. So that's 12 years ago. He's never been the chairman of a Bears team that has won a playoff game. 312-644-6767. That's just a statement of fact. I don't know why you're being so nice. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's Molly and on Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 in the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.